For those of you that are new here or joining us for the first time online, uh, I'm Rusty, one of the members of the speaking team here at AVL City Church. And I really am, uh, it's always an honor and a privilege uh, to get to bring the message for the day. Uh, several weeks ago, we started uh, a series on messages on Ephesians 6, specifically verses 10 through 20. And we were taking each part, it's called the armor of God, uh, we were taking each part and sort of working our way through it. Of course, last week was Easter, right? So we took a break. And today, we're back into that passage, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. So just as a review, let's go back over. I'm not used to using a handheld. Forgive me if I start talking like this. Uh, so hopefully that won't happen much. So let's take a look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 as we read back through it. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Amen. Today, as we continue, we're going to really lock in, uh, sort of drill down on verse 16, okay? Verse 16, in every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, throughout Jesus' ministry, and in this case, Paul, uh, Jesus used, and, and Paul as well here, used a lot of analogies and metaphors. Used things where you would take one thing and compare it to another when the two don't seemingly have anything to do with each other, right? So that's what Paul is doing here. Jesus did it a lot with uh, agricultural type topics, right? Sowing seeds, reaping the harvest, because it was a very agrarian society. People could really relate to uh, farming and, and raising you know, wheat and things like that. Well, here, Paul compares it to a Roman soldier's armor, what a normal Roman soldier would usually carry. When Paul wrote this, he was actually in prison in Rome. He was very familiar with Roman soldiers. Uh, they were all around. And he was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. It's called Ephesians, right? Now, Ephesus was a large and important city in Asia Minor. It was on the western coast, very important city, became a provincial seat for the Roman uh, Empire. So there would have been a lot of Roman soldiers there as well. People that were there would see Roman soldiers pretty much on a daily basis. The reason that Jesus, and in this case Paul, did this was because it was things that people could relate to. Now, sometimes 
Now, we understand what's going on, and we can relate to it somewhat, but uh, even though Sergio says I might be old enough, I've never personally seen a Roman soldier. So that's just weird, actually, cracking on me for Sergio. Sergio, since you're watching, I hope you appreciate that. But a lot of times there's a, a bit of a disconnect, okay? So I wanted to try to help us out. I'm a very visual person, and I wanted to try to help us out some uh, with making a connection. So, Joe, could, could you come up here and help me out with this, please? I made a mock-up of a Roman shield. So if you just grab that like that. Now, there are several things about the Roman shield uh, that, that are just sort of nice to know so we can actually understand what we're talking about here. The Roman shield were anywhere from three to four feet tall. This one is four feet. Okay, They were two to three foot wide. This one is only two foot wide. Uh, they were made from three layers of wood, uh, sort of like ancient plywood almost. Okay. Uh, these three layers would end up being like two inches thick. Then they would be covered with either linen, if they couldn't afford it, or leather, preferably. In the middle was a metal dome uh, that was called a boss. And that's because in the back, there was just one handle right in the middle. Uh, and that gave them room for them to put their fist in and to protect that fist. Okay? It would also help to deflect blows that went straight to the center of the shield. That make sense? A lot of times they would be lined, uh, the outside edges, with either leather or metal. They would be curved. Uh, the curve was a very important part, although this one isn't, because it gave protection from attacks from, from more of a side angle. So they were, they were pretty well covered, right? Uh, these, th this thing would have weighed 22 pounds. Can you imagine trying to fight in a battle and hold a 22-pound shield in front of you the whole time? Uh, this was not for the weak, Okay. Now, there's a reason I asked Joe to come up and hold this shield, okay? Because Joe is 5'7". That's the average height of a Roman soldier. That's pretty well covered, okay? They didn't have just a shield just to, to protect a little. It was a major, major instrument in their armor, okay? Got that? Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Great job. So with that in mind, let's go back and take another look at 16, verse 16. In every situation, okay, let's just stop right there. Some versions of the Bible say in all circumstances, others say above all. A Roman soldier wouldn't even think about going into battle without a shield. To go into battle without a shield would drastically increase his chances of getting injured or in all likelihood killed. He just didn't have the protection. Yes, he had a helmet. Yes, he had a breastplate. But man, that was a lot of exposure still. So he would definitely be wanting to have the shield, right? The shield of faith. 
why would we ever consider going into battle, going up against Satan without a shield, without our faith? Why would we ever think that we could do that and come out unscathed? It would just make no sense, right? So above all, first and foremost, in every circumstance, we need as Christians to lead with our faith. That makes sense? You tracking with me so far? So we need to have our faith above all else. So that gets into faith, the shield of faith. But what is faith? Fair question, right? And as Christians, sometimes we act like we have the corner, on, like we've cornered the market on faith, that nobody else can have faith but us. And that's not true. The truth of the matter is, everybody has faith in something or in someone. Uh, summer's coming up. A lot of you will be going on vacation. You're probably going to make a hotel reservation before you go. So you're telling me that you have faith that you're going to get there. You don't just take off, roll into town and go, hmm, who knew we would make it? I guess we need to get a hotel. Right? You want another uh, example of faith? Here's one for you. Laundry. Laundry. You do your laundry on one day because you have faith that the next day you're going to need clean clothes. You have faith that you're going to make it to the next day, even though the Bible certainly doesn't promise it, right? But we have faith that we're going to. So faith is, is trust, right? Actually comes from the Greek word pistis, uh, which meant trust. That's the root word for faith. Now here's the catch, and, and ooh, if you're taking notes, this is what you want to make sure you write down, circle, star, whatever, because this is one of the key things for today. For a lot of people, faith is a noun, it's something that we have. The shield is a noun. It's something that the Roman soldier carried. But to Christians, faith should also be a verb. It's an action. It's not something, it's not just something it's something that we use. We have to put it into practice. A Roman soldier with a shield, he may have a shield. If he didn't take it with him, it didn't do him much good. If, it, if he took it with him and he just held it down to his side and it bothered to hold it up, it's not going to do him much good. As Christians, we have faith, but if we don't use it, we're really surprised when Satan comes after us and we get wounded doesn't make a lot of sense. Too many times, even as Christians, we fall back on having more faith in ourselves than we do in God. This is incredibly true if you are a strong, independent person. I can handle it. I will deal with it. I can get through this. I don't need help. I've gotten this far. I can keep going. And then when it doesn't work out, then it's time to call on God. Then it's time to call on others. Then it's time to, to start 
exercising our faith. But that's putting God second, our faith in God second, and faith in us first. And that's something we have to get rid of. Can you imagine a Roman soldier going in, well, you know, I've got the shield. I'll just carry it. If I need it, yeah, then I'll, you know, if I can't handle it on my own, then I'll throw my shield up. Just doesn't work that way, right? Let's take a look at Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it, our ancestors won God's approval. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so, then, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. See, faith isn't merely just holding on to some type of teaching like God exists. It's more than that. It's a strong conviction. It's, it's us believing that there's a greater plan for the world around us, that there's God's plan. We may not be able to see it clearly. We may not be able to see it at all at times, but we know it's there. God spoke creation into existence, right? Just spoke it from nothing. Our existence is guided by God's strength and his power. Faith means that there's more to the world than what we see with our eyes. Hebrews 11, if you read the whole chapter, it's sort of like the hall of fame of faith. It lists person after person. Uh, let's go back to that for a second. I think it's verse 2. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. That's what they're talking about, about faith. These are people who demonstrated so much faith that God was so pleased with them. They were champions of faith. It's a good chapter to go back and read just to get some good examples and some good role models for faith. So, how much faith do we have? If the shield of faith is supposed to be part of our armory, how big of a shield do you have? It's a question we each have to ask ourselves. Now, as Christians, if we claim to be Christians, there's a minimal amount of faith we have to have, right? We have to have faith that none of us were there to see it firsthand. So this is faith. We have to have faith that Christ was born of a virgin birth, lived a perfect and sinless life, died for our sins, was sacrificed, hung on a cross, died, buried in a tomb, resurrected, came back to life three days later, right? Spent time with followers, ascended into heaven, and promises that he's coming back again. We have to have faith that if we go to Christ, if we go to God and we say, God, you know, we're sinners. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. Please forgive me of the things that, that you don't approve of. Please, Father, accept me into your family. I, I, want you to take, I want you to take over my life and be my Lord and Savior. And then we commit to follow him that we have to have faith that when we die, we're going to end up being in heaven, right? Until Christ returns, and then we return with him to live on the new earth. That's sort of the minimum level of faith as a Christian. And a lot of Christians, unfortunately, Stop right there. 
that's good enough for them. Basically, they're buying fire insurance. They just don't want to burn in hell. And they have faith that they're going to get into heaven, and that's it. And they never use their faith. They never carry their shield in front of them. They never try to grow it. They never try to get a bigger shield. One of the reasons that some soldiers had smaller shields was because they just couldn't afford it. The soldiers bought their own shields. You know, I'm thinking if I'm a soldier, I'm saving up for a bigger shield. You know? But as Christians, we don't try to work toward a bigger faith a lot of times. And I can't throw that out, and please don't think I'm throwing it out as a blanket statement for everybody, because that's certainly not the case. Some of you have immense amounts of faith. But we need to work on that. We need to build our faith. Uh, check out uh, Matthew 17, 20. Because of your little faith, he told them, for truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? They're smaller than a BB. They're tiny. And this is Jesus talking, and he's saying, look, if you just have this much faith, just this little bitty bit, you could tell a mountain to move, and it would move. I don't have visuals of a mountain right here, but I see an empty chair. Chair, in Jesus' name, move. It didn't move. Some of you looked to see if it was going to move. Thank you. Some of you didn't bother to look. You think, he's got, I got that much faith. That's kind of hurtful. Although apparently it's truthful. Apparently, I need to grow my faith. So how can I build faith? How, how can I increase faith? Well, there are a number of different ways that we can increase faith. And I, I don't have a slide for this. I didn't, get the, didn't send the information to, to Jeremy about this. So... Uh, but let me give you a few ways. I want to give you five ways real quick, okay? And there, there are others, but here are just five. If, if you're sitting there going, how can I build my faith? Okay, great. First one, you ready for this? Ask God to increase your faith. Good place to start, right? Second one, read your Bible. Read your Bible daily, constantly. Read your Bible. Get into stuff like Hebrews 11 where it's talking about these people with great faith. How about prayer? Spend some time in prayer. This is actually a, th a 3A and a 3B. Prayer. Spend time in prayer. Make sure you're listening to God, having time to listen to God. Part B of that. Start a prayer journal. When you pray, write down your prayers in a journal. When God answers those prayers, go back and write it in. Go back and write it in. On this date, God answered this prayer this way. Now you will be able to go back and see just how often God answers your prayers. You're going to be surprised. Trust God in the small things. Now, for some of you, you're going, well, again, I can take care of the small things. You're not fooling me. Show of hands. How many of you have ever prayed, God, please don't let that light turn red? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know you have. I know you have. You're running late. Please, God. And that's okay. God wants to be involved in all of our life. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to keep it from turning red. He may turn it red and say, look, I've been trying to tell you, you got to get up earlier and get, get it in gear to get to work. That's on you. That's not on me. But whatever, though, however small, start with small things. Include small things. Another one, listen to testimonies of others. Why do you think we do God stories? You want to see a funny conversation or a funny look on somebody's face? Sit down with another pastor and say, well, at our church, we do God stories. Really? What's that? Well, it's a time that we just sort of have an open mic where people can come up and, and share what God's done for them. The vast majority of time, probably about 90% of the time in my experiences, the reaction goes something like this. You do what? Uh-uh. You don't know what they're going to say. No, most of the time, no. You don't know who's going to come up. Most of the time, no. And they just come up and you hand them the mic. Most of the time, yes. And you're not afraid of what they're going to say? Oh, I didn't say that. Why would you do that? This is why you do that, to build faith so that we can see what God is doing in other people's lives, so that we can be encouraged by that, so that we can know that he's working not only in their lives but in our lives too. It's perfectly fine to come up here for a God story and say, I was running late to work. And I prayed God to get me there on time, and I hit every light between here and downtown Green. That doesn't happen often. But we don't because we sit there and we go, that's too small of a thing. No, that's, that's not worth sharing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is worth sharing. Never be afraid to step up and share what God's done for you in a God story because others need to hear it. So why is it that we want to build our faith? Let's go back to Ephesians verse 6, six verse 16. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Satan is going to attack you. That's a given. If you're sitting there going, you know, Satan is, I don't think Satan's ever attacked me. Well, then A, you've just missed it because he is crafty and he's disguised it as something else. Or B, he's not too worried about you. He should be worried about you. He should be worried about your relationship with the Father. He should be worried about you following God's plan for your life. And when he does get worried about that, then he starts coming at you. Sometimes he comes at you in big ways and he knocks you off your feet. Sometimes he just gives you a push. Sometimes it's just a series of little nudges. Let's just nudge you over here. Another little nudge. Another little nudge. Little things that we don't even notice. You know, we're spending more time at work. We're spending less time reading our Bible. We're spending, ooh, there's a ball game on I want to see. I'll get to that, that later. And all of a sudden one day we look up and we're here and God is way over there. God didn't move. 
but Satan has just gently nudged us out. We have to be prepared for attacks. He's going to attack you any way he can, and he will not play fair. But the Father has provided us, provided you, provided me a defense against Satan's attacks. The shield of faith. But we have to lead with it. We have to take it. We have to use it and put it in front of us and fight off the attacks. Uh, I've asked Eric to come up and I sort of volunteered him today. Like I said, I'm big on visuals. I'm big on object lessons. So, Eric, if you would just stand here and hold your shield of faith for me. I'll be right back. I wanted fiery darts, but you know, those pesky fire marshals. So Eric has his shield of faith. And Satan attacks, maybe with depression. Maybe it's uh, an argument with the wife. You've got three boys. <laughs> and come at you a lot of different ways, right? But Eric's got his shield of faith. But what if Eric's faith isn't that big? Eric still has the same attacks. <laughs> oh, good one. Sometimes it can block them off. <laughs> now, good news is, Eric, I'm giving you your shield, big shield of faith back. <laughs> That's the good news. The bad news is it's a noun. It's not a verb. So you can't use it. You got it. Just, yeah. Uh-uh, can't use it. Can't use it. Can't use it. Put it over this side. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we have a shield. We have our faith. We have to use it. We have to build it. We have to lead with it because Satan's coming after you. He's coming with the fiery darts. In closing, to wrap, up, wrap this up today, in the first century when the Roman army would go out to fight, the Roman army really wasn't big on archers, using archers, but... As they continued to try to take over the world, the people they came up against were very big into archery. 
There was good news and bad news about being an archer. If you were an archer, the good news is you, you weren't up on the front lines. You were 50, 150 yards back, maybe even more. So you weren't in the hand-to-hand -hand combat. Bad news was if the front line got to you, you were in a lot of trouble. But the archer's job was to stand back and launch these volleys of arrows into the air, hundreds, possibly thousands, depending on how many archers were involved. Archers could fire about, uh, what was it, 10 arrows per minute. And they would launch all these arrows because armies at that time would line up in, in two big lines across from each other and come together in the middle of the field. And the archer's job was to launch arrows into the, to the enemy and cut down as many enemies as possible before they could ever get to you, before they ever made it to the battle. Sometimes it was called a, a rain of death or a black rain because it would blot out the sky. There would be so many arrows in the air at one time. And you could be standing there with a the shield, but these things were dropping in on you. They weren't necessarily coming straight from the front. They would also shoot flaming arrows. The flaming arrows were arrows where they'd taken strips of cloth, wrapped the tip of the arrow. The cloth had been soaked in tar or pitch and lit on fire and then launched. And when they would hit, this pitch would splatter. And of course it would be on fire. So whatever, and it, when it splattered, it would stick to things. And whatever it would stick to, it would catch on fire. If that was your clothing, uh, your helmet, your shield, your skin, whatever. The Romans came up with a formation called the testudo or the tortoise. Jeremy, do we have that slide? This position. They would be in tight columns. The people in front would hold their shields in front. The people on the outside edge would hold theirs to the side. All the people in the middle would hold their shields over their head. Again, remember, these things are 22 pounds. They would overlap them and leave no room for arrows to come in. Now, the thing about this formation, it was not an easy formation. It was a very difficult formation, and soldiers had to have really good training and be able to pull this off correctly. You know, you can, if you weren't trained, you could try it, but there were going to be gaps, right? And arrows were going to get through and people were going to be injured or killed. It took a lot, a lot of training, a lot of work. But when they would do it, it would be very safe. Now, if you check out this slide, you got the three guys in the back. This is obviously a training exercise type deal, not a uh, scenario, not a, a combat scenario. But can you imagine... If you're that poor standard bear, that guy with the flag in the back, he doesn't get in. Mm. Or even if you're standing back there just with one shield and it's just you all out there on your own and hundreds of arrows raining down, your chances aren't good, right? You're going to get hurt. As a church, what is our testudo? What is our tortoise position? Are we a group of soldiers fighting individually on our own? Or do we come together? Our testudo is this right here. Where we come together and worship God and praise God and pray to God and pray for others. Our testudo happened at 930 this morning where a group meet here and pray over other people. Our testudo happens on Wednesday nights 
when it's open, the doors are open for anybody to come in and pray. Our testudo happens when our ministry team stands to the side and are there to pray over, with, and for people. Yes, we have individual responsibilities as a follower of Christ. But it's not, our responsibility isn't just to us. We are here for each other. Where is your faith today? Is your faith a noun or a verb? Is your faith a big shield or a little shield? Or is it a shield that you have it, but you're just not using it? In just a minute, we're going to close out with the last song. And our ministry team will be in the back and over to the side. This is an excellent time to take advantage of this formation, to take advantage of the faith, not only your faith, but of others. You want more faith? You want your faith to increase? These are some people who can pray over you to help you start on that road. You're under attack. Maybe it's little attacks. Maybe it's just little constant things that keep going wrong in your life, and you're going, what on earth is up with this? Well, maybe it's time to throw up some shields. Maybe it's time to have people pray over you and with you. Maybe you've just got off track and you need some prayer to get back on track. Big or small, anywhere in between, these are the people. Now is the time. Let's move from a small shield or from a shield that we don't use to a big, strong shield of faith that we lead with and go forth and battle Satan and extinguish those fiery arrows. Let's change our faith from a noun to a verb. Amen? Amen.